reminding ourselves as empaths or highly sensitives, like this is a thing, but I don't have to be so in that role all the time. Hey guys, welcome to our Soul Fan podcast where I interview space holders from all over the world. I'm your host, my name is Carolina, and I am the Connection Catalyst. I help spiritual entrepreneurs experience deeper connection with themselves, with others, and with the universe. Today on the show, we have Nicole Buron, the psychic medium and the shadow guide. Welcome to the show, Nicole. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for having me. I am super, super excited to have you because we're going to touch upon the topics that I have not uh, talked about yet on this podcast. And so that's really, really exciting for me. And I generally like I'm always mega excited to talk to psychic mediums because this is the world beyond our five senses. And this is just so exciting because every person that is a medium has experienced something completely different. And there is so much to experience in all these different dimensions of our reality. So it's really exciting for me. I'm super pumped to talk to you. And I would love to start with a little bit of your story. How did you become psychic medium? Were you born with these abilities? Was that something that you acquired? Um, how was? How did it start for you? Yeah, so I was born with it. I remember the first time I saw a spirit. Um, first memory, I think I was around five or six. Uh, and it was my grandmother. And I don't always see them as like human form, but I think because her and I's relationship was so close, it was just able to, I felt more safe and vulnerable in her space. So I was able to see more clearly. Right. Um, but growing up, I lived in a lot of like haunted houses. My mom, I believe was a sensitive and just drawn to them naturally. Um, and we were always drawn to paranormal and would go to cemeteries and graveyards, but I didn't know what it was, right? Like I didn't know I'm a medium. I, I didn't really understand how to cultivate and put together all these pieces. It wasn't until I was pregnant with my son that it was just like floodgates opened up and I was like, okay, I have to figure out how to refine this because, you know, stuff is coming in, but it's like, what am I supposed to do with all these things I'm seeing and hearing and feeling like I just didn't know what to do. I felt very overwhelmed. So I started taking it a lot more seriously about five years ago, like really fine tuning and knowing how to share it with others and how to be that bridge for others and translate all these things that I was experiencing. Cause before it was just like, I was like stunned, like a deer in headlights. And I'm like, what is all of this? And then also other people don't experience this all the time. Okay. <laughs> That's quite funny, uh, but you know, well, it's actually really funny as well that the, another psychic medium that I spoke to on this podcast also said that her grandma was helping her to actually like um, handle these abilities because she was like, oh, before my grandma died and I actually connected with her, it was so scary to me and it, I was all over the place with these abilities. But when I, my grandma was guiding me, then, you know, I was fine and I was able to actually like take it in and to develop these abilities. So it's freaking sneaky grandmas they know what they are doing when they die then they are guiding us you know showing us the way and so on that's so funny because obviously women are witches so when the and the grandma is the wise woman right so uh, obviously it can be our gateway to trust and to actually not be scared of these other dimensions of realities i feel and so um yeah although i would probably still freak out if my grandma or my granddad uh, came my granddad actually because he he's the one who passed away if he just came to me like right now I would see him or something, I, I probably would still freak out. But after some time, I'll be like, yeah, okay, granddad, all right. I understand you have a message for me or whatever. But it's so funny how we can relate to family members and then it kind of makes it less scary to us to open up uh, to these other dimensions, which is great. I feel like, yeah, uh, you know, peace and love to all these grandmas that have died and guided people to their psychic abilities. Uh, that's so, so amazing. So when you started, like, um, actually, like, I don't know, managing it somehow, handling it. What did you do? Did you get some support from someone? Did you just practice with yourself? Did you meditate? How did you uh, learn how to use these abilities? Yeah, so first I started, um, and actually it was a, a couple of years before um, I got pregnant, um, my husband gifted me a tarot deck. I had one when I was younger, but I didn't really play around with it. Like my more like, I guess like, metaphysical stuff was more um not so much through like cards when I was younger it was really like my mom was really into astrology and stuff but um 
I, that was my first deck and I started getting way more into like crystals and breath work. I started really getting into breath work and working with a mentor that way. And we would do uh, journeying sessions through breath work. And then once um, I was pregnant, when it was like just really intense, I started reading like I started following like every psychic medium I could get my hands on, learning their story, learning their experiences, reading their books, getting their, all, I feel like most of them have card decks. So I would get all their Oracle decks and all these different things. And I was just trying to, you know, part of my journey, I was trying to mimic them. I was trying to have the same experiences and do it the way they were doing it, which I realized isn't the way to do it because it's not being authentic to your way. Every psychic medium is different in how they translate spirit and stuff, right? So I kind of like, I think worked against myself a little bit. I'm like, so this is how you're a psychic medium. You do this, or this is how you do it. And then I was like, oh no, 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 that's not really it. So I love knowledge. I consume knowledge. Like I'm always reading books. I'm always researching. So I did that. I just really fed my curiosity. And then I did some mentorships. Um, but not specifically with psychic mediums. I did a mentorship with an angel reader and I did a mentorship with um, like a shamanic practitioner, but he's really into earth magic and stuff. Um, so they weren't necessarily teaching me psychic mediumship, but I, I found it to be really helpful because I didn't get rigid in like trying to emulate exactly what they were doing, right? Like I just learned from their experiences and they supported me in these other ways, which I felt was like this beautiful co-creation because at like having the angel reader there to just teach me how she connects with angels. I was like, okay, well, I know I don't connect with angels. Like that's a frequency, you know, to me, it's like, a, I call it a frequency. It's like, I don't understand it. It's like dolphin noises. Like, I don't know say like I'll like hear these pitches I'm like oh that's them I know that's them but like I just don't translate that that area um but like hearing her stories really kind of helped me honor my own way of doing it so I did I really enjoy one-on-one -on -one mentorships um and then I took a couple just mediumship workshops there was like a Facebook group where you would practice on people and then I started practicing on friends and family and it, and then it just happened. And then I started just testing out with like people being like, I think I'm going to start doing readings. And then it just escalated from there. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that. So you learned from all these different sources and then you found your own way of doing it. That's the best way, I guess, to get inspired, get all these sparks of in inspiration from different people, get their energy calls, get their um, yeah way of speaking about it and then just find your, your own path. So that's beautiful. That's amazing. And do you feel like everyone can awaken their psychic abilities? And if so, how? Oh, yes. Everyone's psychic. Like I believe every, and I know sometimes like, you know, it's like, a, I don't think that's true, but I actually just taught a workshop like last week and we kind of built it up. And like, I love seeing people when they, honor that and they tap into that energy and the other senses right because even then they're like what and it's like yeah like we're all capable of doing this but we all have different ways of doing it and I think that is the most important is learning how to honor your own way of doing it and also to trust yourself like the biggest thing for me when I work with people is working through trust wounds of trusting themselves of what they're receiving and you know trusting the information that they're receiving it how they're receiving it and like it's, it's habits and routines, right? Like I think you do have to shift into a habit and routine of moving into the space to create room in your life or commit your energy to these things, which, you know, <laughs> creating habits and routines, I know sometimes can feel a little limiting or like boxed in for people, but like, it's like rituals and ceremonies are to me are habits or magical habits and routines in a way. So it's just like reframing some of the wording maybe, right? But I think everyone can tap into their, their psychic um, senses. And, you know, we, as I, I sometimes find when I work with people, they think that they're supposed to disassociate from their body. And it's the furthest thing from the truth, your body, we have the other senses that support the, the non ones, like the non, you know, tangible ones, like we know we can smell things and see things and hear things, but it's like, those support you, those are your supportive tools. So if you're not embodied, if you are not honoring your your body and tuning into those senses and nurturing those it's going to feel a little more difficult probably to honor the other area that you can't see or that you're not familiar with like that's your foundation for it um and i like to like tell people if they're want to like tap into their 
other senses like a clair, like a clair, like the clairs, right? The clairaudience and the clairvoyance and all that stuff is take what resonates with you here. If you love music, clairaudience might be your jam. Like you already have a connection to that. You are already connected to that. So just expand it more and just make that connection even stronger and more co-creative. If you're a visual led person, you might be clairvoyance. People that like tarot and oracle decks and are really into the art, I'm like, I bet you clairvoyance is your jam. You are already connected to it. It creates something inside of you. You feel drawn to it, like build upon of that trust. Like even if it seems, sometimes we want to overcomplicate things, right? So even if it seems too easy or too simple, it's like, that's okay. <laughs> Why does it have to be difficult? Lean into what you're naturally drawn to and start exploring a Claire that is connected to that is what I say for people that want to tune into their psychic senses and psychic energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you want like some ideas of how to start exploring it? Okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, I really like, um, you know, if someone is, I guess I'll give two examples. I'll stay with clairvoyance and clairaudience because I feel like they're maybe the, the easiest ones for people to tune into. Um, one, if you're clear, if you're drawn to visual things, if you really like visual art and, and things like that, right? Or, or film or things like that, like start playing with uh, cards if you want to, or start channeling. If you can go into meditation, start drawing and don't, don't get, you know, sometimes I think we get so caught up in like, it needs to be some standard of something, but just like being in the flow and like even asking spirit to guide you or, you know, whatever you want spirit. I'm, I'm nuanced with it. Whatever people want to call it, you know, higher self, divine source, whatever feels good for you, you know, my angels, my, my animal guides, whatever, um, asking them to channel the art through you. You might be really, you know, I've been wanting to tune more into my clairvoyance again. So I've been drawing, I've been doing meditations and drawing. I'm not like, I don't call myself like that kind of artist, right? Like I'm not known to be a painter or drawer. I use my son's markers for this. I don't own art supplies. I use my kiddos ones to do it. And so it's like, start doing that. Like, see if you can channel through it. If you love music, um, ask to intuitively like have a song come on for you on your playlist or get an instrument and just see what spirit wants to connect with you or channel through you, you know, to get a message maybe that you need to know about something, or if you want to know about, um, you know, energy that maybe you can't see right away or whatever it is, like use these tools we have in this plane to support you. Like, I think it's one of the biggest gifts that we sometimes forget, but if we look at the history of, of people and culture, there was always music, there was always dancing, there was always art. Like we were always doing this. We've been doing this forever. And like, I think we've wanted to overcomplicate it. If we just could like lean into ease and the flow and playing with these tools that we have here to support that, we'd be so surprised at what we can connect with psychically and with spirits. Um, so I guess those are like two ways if you want to explore clairvoyance and clairaudience. <laughs> That's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah, I feel like it's we are in the physical body for a reason. So we need to use our physical body to also tap into the higher realms of consciousness. And physical body is nothing but the manifestation, the projection of our soul, of our consciousness from the other dimension into the physical dimension. So through this dimension, we can actually connect to other dimensions as well. And I feel like, yeah, in spiritual uh, field, sometimes it's like overlooked in a way. Like, okay, I want to get out of this 3D. I just want to go out of my body and astral project to all these different uh, realities, right? But actually we are here like we need to ground we need to use the tools that we have also in the physical world and i pretty much love i just love living in the human body on earth i feel like i couldn't just uh, drop it even if i could you know travel anywhere uh just in, with my astral body i just love being here on earth and i feel like that's uh, really a perspective that we should have because we need to connect to earth and to the other realms obviously as well but i'm really grateful that you shared that that we can connect through the physicality because you know i feel like some people are like yeah whatever let's just like stop eating let's be britarian let's just be in these higher realms and i've been there like i mean i've fasted for three weeks and then i went liquidarian for like half a year but then i was like 
yeah, but I actually love food. I actually want to be in my 3D reality. I want to taste. I want to, you know, experience all these different things. And of course, eating healthy is important and whatever. But like, I want to experience this life in here. And so, uh, yeah, I'm just really, really happy that you shared that. So thank you so much. Um, and having said that, I would love to ask a question about this, the spirit uh, guides and specifically the animal guides, because yeah. uh, we we all have spirit animals. And from what I know, anyway, we also have power animals. Um, yeah. So from my understanding, like the spirit animal is the one that is supporting us uh, like throughout our life. And the, the power animal is the one that is coming to us whenever we need it just in specific times. Right. So to give mm -hmm. us some qualities that we need in the moment. But um, and there is also totems, right? Is that correct? Mm -hmm. That we are mm -hmm. the animal that we have the most qualities of. Um, that's what mm -hmm. I understand anyway. And so uh, is it true? Like, do you perceive it in the same way? And also, like, how does it even happen that we have all these uh, spirit animals? And how can we call them into our lives to connect with them and to actually use the power, the energy that they are holding in our human existence to support us uh, in our life? Mm-hmm. Um, so for, for my experience, yes to a lot of that. And then like some nuance to it. <laughs> so, um, so one of the mentors I work with, uh, specializes in power animals. Um, and so how I've learned from him on that is like you were saying somewhere, like we, we call them into, so I have one, so I identify as a highly sensitive person. I'm actually pretty sensory avoiding, like with this ring light, right. As we film this. I'm going to like need to go into my safe space after because it's overstimulating. So like I will call in one of my power animals when I'm in big social spaces to help me protect my energy, right? Because I am in co-creation and leaning on them for that support, for them to empower me and help support me in a way that may be, um, you know, like it sounds silly, but it's like when I go to the grocery store because I'm overstimulated, it's a large crowd, the lights there are always really overstimulating to me. Um, so I'll call in the power animal I have for that, that, um, I went through like this meditation with, with one of my mentors. Um, and then, so which animal so do I, you call I, then? Huh? Which animal do you call then when you go to the grocery store to protect you? Oh, I, I, mine's mountain lion. <laughs> so and does mountain it work lion. for, does it work for everyone? Like, for example, I have a friend who is a highly sensitive person as well. If he called a mountain lion as well, would it work for him in the same way as for you? Or do you need to connect to this power animal first uh, and then, you know, kind of develop a relationship with it? Mm -hmm. It would probably be more which animal is looking to work with, which animal spirit is looking to work with him. Um, so we all have, right? Like, so this is where it gets kind of like nuanced. And I think it's like where we have to trust our intuition and what we connect with. Like, you know, there's a lot of books and one of my favorite Oracle decks is an animal deck and all that. And they have different meanings, right? Like they have like, you know, um, you know, lion usually represents like courage and leadership or, you know, whatever it is, but you can have your own relationship with lion. And if you look at different cultures, there's different beliefs around these animals. So whenever I approach it, it's kind of like, which one do you feel drawn to and why? And maybe there's that connection there, but also being open to like, it doesn't always necessarily have to make sense to everyone else. <laughs> like that your friend's animal when they're highly sensitive could be lizard. And that may be like, why lizard? And it may make the most <laughs> sense for them if they went through meditation, be like, of course it's lizard because of this and why. And lizard came to me and told me why. And it would, you know, be perfectly aligned for them and what they need. But it's like, I think sometimes it limits us to put like a stereotype on animals because it's like, you know, it's, I think there's themes with them, but also everything that I've gone through with, with people and connecting them or it, hearing their experiences, like, there's like a, to me, a sacredness and a very like intimate relationship people have with animals that come into their life. And so, you know, if you're drawn to certain animals, like I'm all, I'm always going to be drawn to big cats. Like I've just, I'm a Leo myself. I'm a Leo stellium and I love panthers and jaguars. Like I love big cats. <laughs> and so I will always, you know, feel a connection to big cats and I love crows and ravens and I love like the shadowy animals, like spider and snake. I have a pet snake. Like I like, like the shadowy animals. Like I'm not always like, you know, um, the one I'm giving the guidance for this week for me is ladybug, but like, I'm not always like ladybugs or like butterflies. 
So like, trusting what you're drawn to, but some people have their thing. Like they love dolphins or they love water animals or, and, and leaning into, I think there can be a theme of why so many different cultures and people maybe see themes with these animals and how they show up in this world, right? Like a lot of the native perspective of this is, um, or a lot of native American perspective of this is, you know, looking at how they show up in this realm too, like their spirit is embodied in this way for this realm. So having that alignment, you know, I understand why we, we do that. It totally does make sense. But like when we connect also to just the spirit outside of body is like allowing some room for nuance with it because they don't always like fit in the stare in like a stereotype we may have of like how we view that animal right um so your friend may have a very different animal but um yeah power animals are kind of calling for that um i do think we have animals that are really drawn to us throughout our entire life kind of like my approach to spirit guides is we have certain guides, right? That I think are with us through everything. And then we have ones that filter in and out during different times in our lives. And I find animal guides are, are very similar. Um, they'll filter in and out during certain, certain circumstances. Um, and it could be for a couple months, it could be around, um, a certain, certain theme in your life. If you, you know, have your one animal guide who comes in to support you and give you guidance as a parent, you know, like, it may come in forward when you're like asking for their help or support to deal with things as your role or responsibility as a parent. Um, and they may not show up in like another area of life, but I find we have different animal guides for different areas of life, um, as well. Mm -hmm. And so that would be the spirit animal that we were talking about, the ones that are staying with us for our whole life and the power animals that are showing up and kind of going away. So power animals, I find that we have when we need support and to feel empowered and kind of more, I find mm, maybe directly in this realm. So like dealing with maybe more in physical realms, this is just my approach, by the way. So <laughs> there's a lot of nuance out there, but in spirit, like the animal spirit guides, I find it's like the, the essence of that spirit kind of like our other spirit guides. So they we'll have ones that stay with us through our life. And then we have ones that show up during certain times in our life. And, you know, I think it's limiting to say like, it's only X amount of time or whatever it is. And they could have been there the whole time and just been activated and just kind of waiting on standby. You know, they could have just been like, I'm waiting for my name to be called. <laughs> but mm -hmm. I do find certain guides will show up. Um, and, you know, there's what I consider more like the shadow animal guides that, um, are kind of the animals that are like really misunderstood in this realm. So like, like people have fears. Usually if there's an animal someone has a fear about, I'm like, that's maybe your shadow animal. <laughs> it's something for you to connect with and work through. Um, but it is, you know, those guides that maybe feel a little more, um, you don't necessarily want to curl up with them. And you don't <laughs> maybe always want to go into like, you know, if you have a fear of sharks, like, I don't know very many people if you have a fear of sharks. It's like, yeah, let me go into meditation and get some guidance from my shark guide. Like that sounds not fun at all, right? If while there's maybe more um, willingness to be like, and now I want you to connect with, you know, elephant. Like, oh, that sounds lovely. But if I was like, and now I want you to connect with tarantula, it's like, hold up. I don't oh, know if I want to connect with tarantula. <laughs> I don't want to connect with tarantula for sure. I had arachnophobia in the past. Fortunately, you know, the work that I can do on myself got me out of arachnophobia, but I would totally not want to connect with tarantula. But does it mean that my shadow is a spider in a way? Like the qualities of the spider I am kind of like suppressing or dissolving or rejecting within myself? Yeah. So usually if someone has spider, um, you know, I find a common theme with spider is people. It's funny because what you're saying about your thing, it's about building your web. It's about building um, your, your life like spider. If, and, and also like finding the letting go of perfection. I find peace. Sometimes if people are connected to spider, it's about letting go of perfection, right? Cause if you look at the spider web, it's not always a perfect web, but it's functional and it serves a purpose. And if it gets knocked down, spider gets up and rebuilds the web. It's not like, Ooh, that one little tear, like spiders, like, no, can it catch the flies? Does it support me? Does it this great thumbs up? It did its job, <laughs> but it is about like, I find um, a lot of people connected to spider. I'm like, I always get curious of like people that are connected to 
social aspects from the like World Wide Web and looking to connect through technology. Because I just think it's really interesting that World Wide Web and Spider Web, and I find there there's some connection. A lot of people have Spider, and it comes up for a lot of folks. Um, so there's a lot of themes with with Spider um, and like creating your own abundant life and also finding, you know, there's a vulnerability to spider too, right? Because um, I find spider can come up for folks that are looking to honor their vulnerability and feel safe in people not always liking them. You know, a lot of people don't like spiders and a part of it means like you have to kind of be okay with people not liking you and being misunderstood and, and things like that. And just knowing like you do you. Mm, that's amazing. I have actually never looked at it in this way that you, what you're scared of as an animal, this could be your shadow and this could be something that you need to focus on. And honestly, for me, I feel like it stems from my mom always being scared of spiders and me watching uh, this movie, Arachnophobia, like when I was young. So I think for me, it just stems from her. But it's interesting because my mom has a personality type of giver wing perfectionist. So it makes total sense of what you're saying that, you know, this kind of perfectionist controlling vibes. It's like, okay, you're spider web is not gonna be perfect so it actually is amazing uh what you're saying because it makes perfect sense uh, in relation to how i feel like i acquired this so thank you so much for sharing that and what about the totem um so i don't dive so much in like totem stuff just because like just for me there's a lot around um you know from my native ancestry we don't really work a lot with totems so i just don't really like dive into it a whole lot um you know i think if people resonate with that sort of like, uh, I guess like embodiment of that. Um, you know, I do think there is a lot in there, at least from my perspective, we have those through Celtic tradition, you know, my mom's side is more Celtic, my biological father's side is more native. Um, and so looking at the roots of that, like we see animals in like every culture and such a big deal in every culture. Um, and I think it does speak to, again, going into like how we develop as humans. I think it does speak more to that shadowy animalistic side of us, that sort of like, um, instinctive side of us, that part of us that maybe just is really in tune with the earth and isn't looking so much from like a moral compass, <laughs> like animals, right? Like an animal's not like, I shouldn't eat that other animal. Cause like, that's, that makes me a bad animal. There's no like moral <laughs> compass. Animals are like, no, this is just what we do. I'm just in the cycle of it. So I, I find like there's certain animals that may allow us to feel more connected into just like the cycles of life and sort of like these less sort of moral compass <laughs> led ways and you know releasing our super ego in some ways so I do find there is like that psychological aspect of it um and we kind of do it right like um you know sometimes we meet people I don't know if you've ever done this like sometimes and I don't know if it's just because I love animal guides I'll be like wow this person kind of gives me this animal vibe like I just can kind of like feel this sort of like animal energy from them so I do think we radiate that from ourselves um, I just don't really like, I don't put the, the term totem to anything cause it's not the, the field that I work in. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I'm just curious about it because uh, once on one of the psychedelic experiences, I saw my face literally turning into wolf. Like I, <laughs> I looked into my own eye and I felt felt like gray fur all over my eye, and my nose started to just go to the front, and I was like, "Whoa, I'm a wolf!" And then of course it disappeared because I freaked out completely. I was like, "What is happening? I'm a gray wolf!" And that's why I'm just uh, excited to talk about it because I feel like I was a wolf or I am mm -hmm. a wolf in some other parallel reality and that's why I feel like mm -hmm. I ad identify as wolf and some people might call it totem some people might call it past life or uh, current mm -hmm. parallel life or whatever but I feel like we have sometimes the qualities of a specific animal and I see these qualities in my friends let's say um, of these animals as well that kind of like are aligned with our energy uh, so they are representing us in a way in in the spiritual uh, sense I don't know I this is how I perceive it anyway and I saw it you know because I'm a visual person so I saw myself changing and then I got like two other visions on two other experiences where I was a wolf and I was playing with my friend who was uh, on the experience with me and we were wolves and we we're just kind of like 
you know, going around the forest and whatever. So I know that uh, wolf is me. Um, I'm a she-wolf <laughs> for sure. Um, and I'm really feeling it, you know. I'm really feeling these qualities. I like to have my pack. I like to be a lone wolf sometimes. I'm kind of like an alpha. I like to lead and so on. So, um, yeah, I'm certainly feeling that. That's why I'm curious to uh, talk about this stuff. But, yeah, I feel like everyone has their own definitions of how to call it. But I feel like we need to find something that resonates with us and how we want to perceive it but certainly there are animals in the spiritual form uh, let's say that can support us and we can always call them in and use their qualities for our own uh, benefit so yeah that's the most important to know that we have support in the animal kingdom uh, and we can use it for for ourselves so yeah that's really beautiful and so i have one more question um to you or maybe even more than one uh, because you said that you're highly sensitive and this is, has been the theme that I've been recently exploring with one of my best friends who is a highly highly sensitive person as you said like uh, in the past going to the grocery store was too much for him uh, like way too much I mean of course not in in the very like I don't know maybe seven years ago or before our let's say spiritual awakening he wasn't as sensitive because he was eating you know meat and uh, eating heavy eating a lot and just not being conscious at all but since we were on our spiritual evolution path he got even more sensitive and even more and I keep meeting all these beautiful sensitive people uh, around around me because like usually they are the opposite of me usually they are introverted withdrawn and kind of like quiet and I'm usually bang 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 extroverted and you know we always like attract each other um, to just bring out some qualities the opposite qualities uh, in each other I feel and balance each other out and so I have many friends uh, that are highly sensitive so I'm really curious to know your perspective on it and how you are coping with this high sensitivity because what I found through conversations with people um, especially with my best friend is that or like uh, I'm really curious what you think about it that highly sensitive people usually they have learned in childhood somehow that being sensitive is like a mm, protection mechanism in a way. And, you know, for example, if you have a parent that, let's say, drinks alcohol, uh, and then one day the parent loves you, and then the second day, uh, let's say, your dad shouts at you because he got drunk, and then uh, you feel unsafe. And so you, because you don't know how the parent is going to react, you need to tune, you need to attune yourself to this person and then become more sensitive to your environment because you're kind of like alert when it comes to danger. Like, is it dangerous today or not? Um, that's what I at least found through, you know, talking to people about this. And then we kind of like, explored this topic of okay so if i don't feel that there is danger i don't have to be so sensitive to everything but then of course you need to do some inner work to reprogram yourself to feel like okay it's all safe because what i found with my best friend it's like if he talks to his girlfriend or if he talks to me knowing that we are safe knowing that we are quite high vibe you know that there is not much um, negativity in us or we're not gonna vibe with some like low uh, energy that is gonna affect him he felt like he doesn't have to attune and he's not as sensitive uh, in in these mm -hmm. um, times, right? When when he, for example, speaks to us. But then other people, for example, is kind of like, okay, it's kind of like alert, alert. There is danger. Maybe I need to attune to everyone. So did you find that this is this, the the mechanism that is going on? And if so, is it is it like possible to reprogram it? So. So I approach this in three ways. So um, what you're talking about, I don't consider a highly sensitive person. To me, that's a conditioned empath. It's someone that has to tune to someone else's emotions and energy um, to feel safe or not safe. So, but I find a lot of highly sensitives are also conditioned empaths. To me, a born empath is different than a conditioned empath. I was a conditioned empath. My mom was an addict. She was also, you know, grew up in an abusive household. She just had a lot of trauma she never dealt with. Um, and so I was very conditioned to is it safe? Is it not safe? You know, do I have to, you know, being a fixer, just looking at non looking at like the non obvious cues to be like, is this person in a healthy state or not healthy state? Is someone going to get hurt? Am I going to get hurt? Or they're going to get hurt. Like to me, that's a conditioned empath. Um, highly sensitives. The way I approach highly sensitives is highly sensitives are really sensitive to energy as a whole. So conditioned empaths are, I feel like are more sensitive, right? To people. You're, you know, a conditioned empath doesn't always necessarily walk into an empty building and it is like, <laughs> well, like I can walk, I'll sometimes walk into a building even if there's not a lot of people. And I, it's just like everything to me has a tone and everything is so loud. So I really like staying at home. I'm an introvert in that way because I'm familiar with the tones of my household for the most part, right? Um, 
So to me, it feels a lot more familiar. And so part of it is that conditioned empath where it does feel safer, but also like I know the tones and the imprints of energy in those spaces pretty much. I'm familiar with them. So like I can kind of navigate that space more um, and like I can be in control of lights and sounds and textures and things. While, you know, what I consider a highly sensitive person, they're, they're more sensory avoiding. So like we don't like... I, as much as I love the idea of going to Burning Man or a rave, I know it would not be good for me. I would need to like take two weeks off just like decompressing from all of those stimulants. So like I'm sensitive to, like I have a very sensitive smell, very sensitive hearing, like my ears, and I've been tested for this. I'm always seeing flashes of light. Like I'm, and I've been tested for doctors of all this and they, there's nothing wrong with me, right? Um, and so I'm really sensitive to like everything. So when I walk into a space and I find a lot of high, and this can go empaths too. This is where it's like, it's kind of nuanced and it's kind of like, all right, let's, let's see the realms. But um, like, it's really important for me to take time to digest a new space. And it's not just the people it's, you know, the building, the, this, like if I go in an antique store, I usually get really sick because a lot of those things haven't been cleansed. They've been sitting there. They've been neglected. These were really important items to people. I find metal. I'm really sensitive to metal. So jewelry, like antique jewelry, I'm very sensitive to because it holds this like energy vibration or energy imprints. Um, and so I'm getting all these pings. And so I'll walk into a space and just be like, and I need to digest it and like call in my power animal and be like, okay, observe, don't absorb, observe, don't absorb. Like I don't have to hear every story for everything because everything to me comes as like a story and information. It's like a data download. Um, so I tend to kind of look like a deer in headlights when I go into new spaces. I'm just like this and I need time to process and digest. So when I was younger, I was called shy a lot. Um, I had a lot of digestive issues in my stomach because I couldn't digest anything. My physical body also did not know how to digest. So taking care of my digestive health is very important for me. It helps me. It supports me as a highly sensitive. Um, and like my nervous system is really sensitive. I have to do a lot of nervous system support. I find a lot of highly sensitives, um, have really sensitive nervous systems, but like layered on that, that's also from a lot of trauma, right? So there's so many things and like, you know, I think there's crossover of highly sensitives um, being diagnosed with ADD and ADHD and being neurodivergent. Like I've been diagnosed with dyslexia, ADD, being neurodivergent. I had a lot of learning curves in school because um, <laughs> there's so much around me and like the lights and so I'm sitting there. I missed the first part of the lesson because I'm just getting situated in the space. And it's not even necessarily because people felt threatening to me because of their emotions, it was just like so much and just so much energy filtering in and out that, you know, I didn't do well in a lot of school because it took me time to, and I find a lot of highly sensitive conditioned empaths, people that are empaths, people that have a lot of trauma, have a lot of education wounds because of that, because acclimating to spaces, being needed, we switch out a lot of spaces and especially high school. If you think about like <laughs> the hormones that create on top of that. Like, I just find like there is an energy to people, to teenagers and their hormones. And even like when pregnant women and like their hormones, right? Like or pregnant people, like the, their hormones are just like, it's a different energy thing. So like sitting in a classroom with a bunch of people that maybe have like different learning styles and then have all these hormones, it's a lot. Like I did not do well in high school. I was just like, oh my God, get me out of here. But that's kind of like why highly sensitive and empaths and conditioned empaths. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I feel like it's usually interconnected because if you're a conditioned empath, you are quite sensitive, right? Whether you are born like this with some psychic abilities or whether it's like acquired. So how do you deal with that? Because sometimes we speak uh, with my best friend and he's like, I don't believe that I'm meant to just feel all the people's shit until the end of my days, you know? Like I want to kind of like not feel because usually like okay you can feel all these positives but usually uh, people who are more sensitive whether empaths or highly sensitive people they feel also other people's i don't know grief sadness anger whatever mm -hmm. there is suppressed in the and just sitting in ener energy field they can feel it and of course it could be useful if you want to be a healer and you know uh, 
make it like shamanic to take this emotion, make it release it through you and so on. But it could be quite tiring for people. And I found that really, um, I mean, for my best friend, it was quite, still is sometimes quite tiring to, for example, you know, be around like a few new people and then feeling like he has to shed all these layers of emotions for days after uh, one meeting, mm -hmm. right? That lasts like two hours or whatever. So what would you say that is your recommendation for these kind of people? Like what kind of methods or ways to, to deal with it so that people actually can live a life without having to take everything on and then having without having to process it? Or is there nothing that you can do and it's just like okay you just gotta deal with who you are and with your energy and you just need to process it and this is how you were kind of conditioned in this life to be mm -hmm. um so a couple of like energy hygiene i think is really important but like i feel like there's a lot on pinterest like there's just great things of like okay imagine a bubble around you and yeah you could get your power animal but i i, th I guess for me personally what's helped me the most is a highly sensitive and conditioned empath because like to me, a born empath and like, you know, people can be all three. <laughs> it really is for whatever people want to identify as. But, you know, born empaths, they do, they feel that emotion. And it just like does, like they didn't even talk to the person, right? Like they just are sitting there, like maybe next to the person grocery store and all of a sudden they just like are overwhelmed by this feeling. They're like, where did that come from? Um, and so, you know, when we go through, there's a couple of things that really help for me. One is doing the shadow work and subconscious work about realizing I'm not responsible for other people's feelings. Like, unless I'm like actively, you know, we all have our own emotional responses to things. It, like I, if someone's just like, I'm feeling all these things is being like, okay, did I purposely try to provoke this person to feel this way? And even then, like, that's some ego stuff. Cause like our super ego wants to be responsible for all those good feelings. And then, you know, doesn't want to be responsible for the bad feelings. Um, but at the end of the day, as humans, us having authority and, you know, being like, oh, I'm having this feeling and knowing that we're responsible to process and digest those things, which is very unpopular topic. But one is like, what is, is remind myself, I'm not responsible for this. What part of me is attached to that narrative of feeling responsible? And usually that's my wounded inner child because of my mother. Um, so like reminding myself of that because I have to create that new narrative around it. Um, Supporting my actual digestive system has been really, really powerful for me because I used to really hold it in my body. I also disassociated from my body a lot when I was younger. So like, that's my, my easy, it is very easy for me to leave my body. It is more challenging for me to stay in this body. So like having those grounding tools, knowing how to ground myself, working with my root chakra, like if we look at the popularity of the chakra system, right, um, which I, I love it. But I feel like there's this really big obsession of the higher, these chakras and not so much the lower ones, which are so important and valuable in the foundation of these things. Like, I know they're not the most whimsical, but, you know, like the root chakra working with that is so just powerful and amazing and starting there. And yeah, it's the more muddy, like you have to go through the more, you have to go through your fears and you have to go through the roots of your experiences so far in this, you know, human experience and maybe even past stuff like past lives, if, if, if you're interested in that, but, you know, working with that, working with my physical body digestive system, processing it, like it will take me sometimes more time to process these things, but also having patience. Like, I don't want to sit here and say like, oh, we can completely get rid of this. Cause I just don't work in absolutes like that. Cause I think it's limiting <laughs> and I think it's not true, but like, I think when we work with our body, not being attached to other people's emotions, not being attached to being the fixer, not being attached. And even, you know, calling myself a shadow guide and a psychic medium, you know, understanding our, our ego attachment, spiritual ego attachment to those labels. I don't always have to show up that way. And I think like reminding ourselves as empaths or highly sensitives, like this is a thing, but I don't have to be so in that role all the time. Like, even if I step into a space and I'm hearing a bunch of stuff, like just being like, okay, no, like I'm just not going to, there's the invitation and I'm saying, no, I'm declining it. I'm going to protect my energy. I have that right. That is like me taking my authority and being authoritative of myself and my energy. Um, and there's some of that moral compass too, right? Like, um, I don't know if you're into astrology, but like 
I have a stellium in the house of service. Like, so I, I, you know, I am a big of like being of service to others, but at some point that becomes an unhealthy self-sacrifice. And I find highly sensitive and empaths can be there too. There's like this, this almost, there's an unhealthy extreme of self-sacrificing. And so our moral compass or super ego might whisper in our ear, like you're a bad person. If you don't feel all these emotions and process everyone's stuff for them. It's like, that's a really unhealthy task for us to put on ourselves as individuals. Like no one's going to thrive that way. (laughs) So like, there's a lot, I think around narrative shifts and subconscious and then working with our physical body that I think empaths and highly sensitives um, can lean into to support them and find the flow of what works for them. Mm, amazing. Thank you so much for sharing all that. This is really great. Uh, And I also am curious to know because I work with beliefs. I use the modality called Psych-K that is shifting our mindset uh, very quickly, effectively, and so on. And I really believe in beliefs in terms of, I really believe that beliefs shape our focus, shape our attention. So in my view, it's like, okay, if you had like a very strong belief, like a very, very strong belief that you are the master of your energy, but of course you would need to do a lot of work probably in, in your shadows, right? To actually really, truly believe it, that all parts of you truly believe it. If you were like, okay, with my free will, I just command that I just cut off from all this uh, stuff that I'm feeling right now. And I am just centered in myself. If you have a very, very strong belief in that, then I believe that okay, you might just be able to shut it all down. And of course, it might require years of work. Uh, I'm not sure, right? Depending on your programming and how you were uh, perceiving yourself as a highly sensitive, for example, it's probably not that easy that easy to switch. Okay, I'm super highly sensitive to, okay, I don't feel anything. It's probably mm-hmm. not uh, like the easiest thing to do. But do you agree that if someone had like a strong belief um, in themselves in terms of I can do whatever, I can create whatever in my life, also just cutting off from feeling all the people would do you think it would be possible to just like command it and just like not feel everyone I do um my husband just shared a story with me about this scientist who like beat he was not a trained runner or anything and I'm gonna butcher this story but I think it's in alignment with what we're talking about like pretty much it was like how they created the Romans I think created the the distance of a mile and they're like no one can run a mile in less than four minutes and they used it in like war. And that was the reason they made the mile against their, their attackers and stuff. But, um, this scientist, not a runner, didn't train. The scientist was like, I can beat that because the scientist said the, the mind knows no limitations. And the scientist did it ran and didn't even train to do this. Was not known to be in runners. Just was like, put challenge that belief, put their, their mindset to it and did it. And like, it doesn't like, I don't, I don't believe, speaking of belief systems, like our brain is so powerful. It is so amazing. And that's why like, I love subconscious work and shadow work and all that stuff. And so I do think if someone is very committed, but you have, that's the thing too, is we're, we're all energy, right? So it's not even just so much the mindset and belief. You also have to be willing to commit your energy to it. So like, that's why like habits and routines change things. So I don't think it's like a flip of the switch. Like you were saying, it would probably take time and like, that's kind of the crapshoot, I think, of where we are and where we've been disillusioned as society is we love instant and fast and we want quick and we, you know, don't want to have to do those things. And I'm, you know, I'm for it. Like, I love that my dishwasher, I don't have to wash my dishes. Like, I love, you know, those sort of things. But like, it does take, if we think about how long it took for the programming to happen and how deep those roots are, we have to extend passions and patience and compassion to ourselves to deprogram and put, commit our energy and have those habits and routines or, you know, whatever you want to call it towards that belief system to support it and really fertilize. You can't just put a seed there and be like, Oh, it's done. Like if you want it to take roots, you know, the power of things taking roots. So if you want it to take roots, it takes time, you know, it takes time to cultivate that belief or that garden of belief. So, I mean, I'm sure people, you know, I tuned out my stuff for a while when I was deep in trauma, Um, and then came back to it. Like I was always, I never got to the point where I didn't look like a deer in headlights in new spaces, but you know, in my twenties, um, I drank a lot. I went out to bars. Like I did all those sense. I felt like crap, but I still was able to go out into the world a lot more, but I was very disconnected from myself too. Right. Like I was very disconnected. Um, and so it really is, I think that, I think it is possible, but I think we also have to be 
willing to tap into our divine feminine to nurture that. And I think we're so disconnected from like the importance of long-term nurturing and nourishment from a nutrient dense perspective like that. Like we just want quick (laughs) and we lack patience Mm -hmm. a lot of ways. Can't Amazon prime that we cannot Amazon prime. those. (laughs) Yeah. I think patience is the lesson for the whole humanity, honestly. And for me included, (laughs) that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, Thank you so much. And I have one last question about the sensitivity stuff, because I'm super Mm -hmm. curious about your perspective because you're not only sensitive, but you're also a medium like you're, yeah, you know, a lot of stuff. Um, And so I was wondering because um, some of these people that I am friends with that are very sensitive and are feeling other people's negative things are, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Enneagram uh, typology of personality. So they are usually force like artists or wing artists and artists in Enneagram are the people that are quite melancholic. They are all these people that write all these sad songs or poems about the suffering of the world and so on. Right. So they actually, they want to experience the depth of all the emotions, which means that they are happy to experience also the negative emotions and the darkness. So I was wondering if like, if you're a sensitive person or an empath, uh, whether conditions or not, if you feel all people's all the people's negative stuff, then is it that, isn't it that you have conditioning that okay, I want to feel all this negative stuff, and you also look at people through this negative lens because as well you could have like a very positive lens, like you could look at the person and feel their joy and feel their love and feel their essence, feel their soul rather than feeling their I don't know uh, sadness or grief or anger um, inside of them. So do you feel like it's about also the filter of how? we project our idea on people or in rather these sensitive or empaths, uh, if they are projecting the idea of like, oh, the world is full, full of suffering. So that's why they also take in and feel the suffering because also maybe they have suffering inside that that resonates with. And that's why they are so sensitive to it. Or do you feel like it's not like that? Um, so that's interesting, the Enneagram 4. So the way I've done Enneagram is you test your your mind, your body, your physical, and then your heart. So I, in a heart space, I'm a four, but in my my brain and my body, I'm an eight in both. So I'm a, the protector challenger in my body and brain. And then in my heart space, I'm the, the four. <laughs> so it's interesting that you said fours are normally, I'm like, that's interesting. Um, uh, but yeah, so there is, well, you know, we love labels. We, we want to identify things. We want to put a word or name because it helps us digest and understand it, right? Like even, you know, even the word grief, like grief itself is an experience. Like grief does is a feeling of sadness, but there's so much more to the grief experience. It is a spectrum. And, you know, we're seeing here, we're breaking binary stuff. We're seeing the spectrum of thing. We're seeing that it's not always just black and white stuff. Like there's, there's more to the human experience, right? Which in some ways frustrates us because it's not as easily digestible <laughs> and in other ways is exciting. Um, for me, it's exciting. Um, and some people are like, no, I really want just like to have my little compartmentalized things of it. Cause it's easier to go through life in that way. Um, so I think it is a bit of per- projection because, you know, I, I think any empath or highly sensitive person does well to study the emotional intelligence wheel so they can identify the words and tied to like certain um, feelings. Cause sometimes I find we'll feel stuff and just be like, I don't know if this is necessarily. And, and everyone's idea of what feels positive or negative is so different. Like I don't feel anger, like negative. Like I think anger is a really powerful channel for creative energy and helps us a lot. So like, to me, if someone's angry, I'm not like, you know, just Like I don't feel dysregulated. Like I know like, okay, are they going to, are they showing signs of like violence? Of course. Right. Like we have so many layers of stuff, but you know, one is I think highly sensitives and empaths can, they experience it and it's maybe more familiar to them. So it doesn't necessarily feel scary, I guess, maybe not scary, but like, it doesn't feel they can identify it, right? So like they can identify it in some way, be like, it's this thing. Um, and then in other ways, like we have to look at projection. Like I just did an episode on my podcast about how we project, we can project past relationships into our current relationships, trying to heal a past relationship and to this other person that has similar behaviors or this or that, right? Like, and it doesn't honor us as individuals in our own unique beings. And I think part of the first thing is, is like, you know, highly sensitive empaths, 
it's probably going to feel safer and easier for them to navigate through life being like, oh, this person, we look at the red flags, right? Like if you've seen over Instagram, it's like, these are the red flags of people. I think it serves us well, but also things again are nuanced. Like people may give signs of love bombing, but maybe they're just really like giving gifts and that's their love language. Like there's so much nuance here, but we want to identify things. It helps us feel safe. It helps us feel superior. (laughs) And so when we do that, you know, going through this, I think it's important to see if we're projecting that and our story and narrative of who this person may remind ourselves of, you know, and be like, okay, is this person really this? Or is it because they have, they look similar to this person. I had this positive or negative experience with, or, you know, was kind of always like a, a pessimist. And I don't like that. Like, is that person true? Are you really seeing that person truly for who they are? Because if we did that, I find if we did that one, I think the world would be a better place, but also (laughs) I think we would realize, I think we would have collective grief because we would realize how disconnected we are from each other. Because if you look at it, like this connection it does take our attention. It does, you know, we look at the increase of ADD, diagnosed ADD and ADHD. Like we know we're the myth of multitasking is a book I love. Like we know our energy is fragmented and our attention is fragmented. If we really did this, if we really looked at every individual as their own self and not our projection or idea or the digestible version of them for whatever narrative we need to fit for that day or our story or whatever, we would feel more connected. But I think we need to get to a point of being willing to experience the grief of being like, wow, we've been disconnected from each other for so long and that it's going to feel so sad and just overwhelming to a lot of people. Um, so it's, I find our subconscious and trauma may even protect us in our brain being like, let's just not, but what if we just didn't and we do this either easier, easier method of it. And it, I think it just, it limits us and, it, it makes me sad, but like, I get it. Like, I totally get it. Like, I always have to catch, catch myself and be like, is this person really this way? Or am I trying to have them fit like this wounded narrative of mine or this thing that makes it easier for me to really see them? Because we're complex beings. We're not just one way, right? And holding space for that can feel, um, I think, overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Yes. And also, if we didn't have this energy in us, we probably wouldn't also perceive this energy so strongly from the other person. So mm-hmm. maybe it's good to look at our own shadow and our own grief and our own sadness. And then having healed that, maybe we wouldn't also perceive this in other person, uh, because maybe then we wouldn't just resonate with this vibration and this frequency and we'll be kind of like higher than that, higher above it in a way. But of course, it's a lifelong journey. Healing is a lifelong journey. And we both know doing shadow work uh, I've started like maybe over three years ago and there is still more coming up and I feel like it's even deeper and deeper it's never ending so (laughs) yeah we just gotta do the work (laughs) yep yep yep. yeah it is it is a journey and it is our brain protects us it's only gonna let us see so much otherwise I think we would all short circuit (laughs) and, Mm. and go into a very dark place and it is you know we have to also give ourselves breaks from the work. Otherwise we can get consumed by it too. So there's a journey and it's the ebb and flow and we're seasonal. It's just like the seasons, like, you know, darkness and winter and, but you're in Australia. It's like opposite, right? I mean, now I'm in Spain. Oh, now you're in Spain. Okay. Okay. Yes. Now you're in Spain. <laughs> so now it's all sunny and bright. It's a light side of the, of the spectrum right now for me. Just sun, nice. serotonin, oxytocin, heating. Uh, yeah. My whole body. <laughs> That's amazing. Nice. Thank you so, so much for sharing all that. And one last quick question I have to you. What is the best way to find you, to see your content, maybe to have a session with you if someone is interested, or maybe to start a program with you or see what you offer? Oh yeah. So Instagram, I'm like old school social media. <laughs> I have a TikTok, but Instagram I'm most active on, uh, Nicole Barone dot psychic medium. Um, my website is oh dash S O magical life.com and it has all my offerings on there. Um, and then I also have a podcast, the shadow work podcast, which is a private podcast, weekly podcast about subconscious shadow stuff. Um, and you can find that through my Instagram as well. 
That's amazing. Thank you so, so much. I really loved our conversation. It's been so inspiring for me and even uh, more inspiring to now connect to my spirit animals and so on because I really feel like, oh, I haven't been using this medicine for a while. Now I'm going to start uh, to use it even more. So thank you so, so much for sharing everything. It's been really great. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been lovely. Thank you. Thank you so, so much for listening to us. Oh, I love this conversation. I hope that you loved it too. So uh, on Instagram, it's we are soul fam. If you'd like to follow us and see what's there and all the snippets from the interviews, you can check out if there's something interesting for you and stay updated about um, all the new episodes and also about the soul fam app that is going to come hopefully soon. Uh, so stay tuned and updated um, to that. SoulFam app is going to be a social networking app for conscious and spiritual people. And I'm super excited uh, to create this platform. Um, so if you'd like to find me, I am The Connection Catalyst on Instagram and sending you so much love and gratitude for listening and stay tuned to the next episode.